So Money Episode 914, Ask Farnoosh, with special co-host Annie LaCroix. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everybody. It's Ask Farnoosh Friday. People asking me, I just acquired several million in a settlement. What do I do with the money? That's a fun one. Good problem to have. Another question here about how much to save for retirement. If these are questions on your mind, maybe not so much the million dollars in settlement, but that's a fun one. Let's all listen to that one. Then this episode is for you. And, and a couple more questions in between. We're going to tackle as many questions as we can today. Ask Farnoosh Friday, July 19th. Hope everybody's having a good summer. It is scorching hot here in New York City. Earlier this week, also, my elevator decided to not work. I live on the 19th floor. And so I guess that's an extra workout. But try doing that with two little kids. Yeah, that was an adventure. Um, this week, we had the pleasure of inviting Andrea Pachter to the show. Andrea is a, a managing director at the Women's Philanthropic Institute at uh, Indiana University. And one of the really fascinating statistics that she brought up, some data that her team uh, found, was that women are actually the biggest givers on the planet. So we have the wealth gap, of course, and we have the investing gap, and we don't have as much money in our bank accounts as men. But as a percentage of income across all incomes, women are giving more uh, than men right now. And that's really fantastic. And so we talk a lot about the differences between how men give and women give and why are these differences important to point out? And also, you know, how to come up with a giving plan. You know, it's July and a lot of us tend to give either, I think, during disasters. When disaster strikes, we have a natural inclination to want to give back to people who are victims of hurricanes and earthquakes. And then around the holidays, of course, everyone's asking us for money. But how to be more intentional about your giving. That was something that we covered and uh, really like that episode because we don't talk about philanthropy as much as I'd like to on this show. So we dedicated a whole episode on Monday to that. Today, we have a special co-host with us who is the brain behind Brainy Boss. It's a business that focuses on better business organization, especially for small business owners. You know, earlier this week, also, we had on a couple of guests who are behind the business, uh, the integrated hustle. And that is something I do want to talk to my current co-host about, Annie LaCroix. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, I am too. You know, especially now, as I mentioned earlier this week, I interviewed uh, two women who are the founders of a program called Integrated Hustle, which uh, similar to what your uh, intention is with Brainy Boss is trying to help small business owners sort of like find 
a healthier balance, more organization, more clarity within their business. And they call it integrated hustle. You have a different term for it on your website. You call it intentional hustle. We're getting tired of just hustle, right? We got we to layer onto this hustle. That's right. That's right. I definitely focus on that. I, I'm a reformed workaholic myself, and I've just been looking for a better way to create some space and enjoy the moments in my life that I have because you can't get them back. And so we have to work hard and we have to do things with, uh, we have to hustle if we're going to own a business. But I think it used to be more like, let's just hustle all the time. And whoever's hustling the hardest and the longest is going to win. And I think that there's a better way to do that. So that's a lot of the focus of Brainy Boss. That's excellent. So do you help mostly women, men? Who's your target customer client? I, I basically help women. I mean, I have a few men that I work with, but it, women tend to gravitate towards working with me. And I enjoy working with women entrepreneurs just because I think it's an underserved market, especially for really small businesses, which is my focus, to, like teams of five or less. That is a group. Women-owned businesses with teams of five or less is just a group that is really underserved. So that's my favorite group of people to work with. And I also think that women tend to overwork more yes. than it and try to do too many more things. And so I think giving permission to say it's okay to have some space and some stillness in your life is, is an okay thing to do. I love that. It really echoes to what we talked about on Wednesday, uh, where they, uh, you know, the integrated hustle is this other program, but they were really all about like, Yo, ladies, we need to take a step back or at least mm -hmm. like not, maybe don't call it a step back because that feels backwards. But it's really about taking pause or it's also like you said, giving yourself permission to find the streamlines, to find the efficiencies so that you don't have to keep working. Because, yeah, there is this weird um, connection that we have to work, which is that in order for it to be great, good, important work, it has to be a lot of it. And I think we also... I'm a mom. I think when it comes to motherhood, there is this like weird belief that the harder you work at motherhood, like the harder it is and the better you're you're being at it, which is so just terrible thing to, oh. to prescribe to, right? It is. And it that goes along with, I think, what we, we kind of do this culturally, but just where we, we say, what did you do this weekend? You go, oh, I did so much. I was so yeah. busy. And this yeah. is a value. Like, it's good right. that we were busier. But And if you say something like, well, I laid around in my pajamas all day, you have to make an excuse for it, right? Like, well, I didn't do anything, but I'll get more done today. And I think we just need to change the way we speak about that, like you can say, hey, I went to work, I did this, I took care of my kids, I did this, and then I sat down and did a little bit of nothing. And that should be an okay thing to do. And setting up systems, which mm -hmm. is my focus, setting up systems so that you have the ability to do that is uh, what I do with small business owners. Right. We sort of equate that to this like luxury, you know, that we yeah. somehow have to like work so hard to, to, to earn that. But like your mental health is not a luxury, you know, it should be an essential part of your ability to function and you should cherish it. It is valuable, but it's not something that you should just aspire to have. Like I want to I want to just, I want everyone, I want to democratize mental health. Like I think that should be something we should all have access to and should be proud to talk about that we are feeding our mental health um, and, and self-care. Yeah. Yeah. It should be first because if your mental health isn't 
in a good place. You can't take care of your kids well. You can't run your business well. None of that functions without you being in the best place you can be. And I think we forget about that. We lose sight of that. So that's it's really important. It's it's important for us to change the way we speak about it. Yes. Well, thanks for the work that you do. Everybody check out brainyboss.co for more about Annie and all the great work she's doing there, rethinking the hustle. Are you excited for our questions today, Annie? I know I sent them to you ahead of the show. I'm very excited. You've got some great people thinking about some what to do with their money in awesome ways. I'm excited about it. Awesome. Okay. So let's start with the really fun one here. Ashley on Instagram uh, says that a family member recently acquired several million in a settlement and they don't know what to do. They want this, this Ashley wants to give this family member some help, some guidance. Where should they go first? What information is important for them to get right, to go and, you know, so she says, get right off the bat or get off on, maybe she means like get off on the right foot. Uh, I think that I can only say, I can only imagine what I would do in this case. And I'd love to hear, Annie, what you would, you would, you would do. But I think that it's important to do nothing for a little bit of time because I think that like winning the lottery, winning millions of dollars in a settlement, getting a huge bonus that maybe you weren't expecting at work. At first, you're really excited. There's a lot of adrenaline at play. And I think that Studies show that science shows that when we kind of make decisions in that time frame, in that moment of um, the door, the dopamine level like surging in our brain, that that can often lead to irrational moves. And it's no coincidence that during usually these periods of time, when people, other people, discover that say you got a big lottery win or a big settlement win. Like people start arriving at your doorstep, you know, <laughs> um, hey, do you want to invest in this annuity? Hey, you know, let's t- work together and you need this and you need that. And I think that there's a lot of overwhelm that can come from external factors having you try to believe uh, what the right steps should be. So I think there's a lot in just pausing for a little bit and thinking about what is it that we want to accomplish with this money? How do we want to put this money to work? What do we want this money to ultimately signify? Um, how do we want to maybe help ourselves and others with this money? I think that that is a worthwhile exercise. And in the meantime, you know, talking to other people about who to trust and who to work with. If you have friends who work with financial planners that they have been working with for a while and really trust them, take a meeting with them. There's no harm in that. Um, But I think that it's really just about baby steps here. What do you think, Annie? Yeah, I agree 100%. I was going to say, the first thing I was going to say is just take a pause. Just take a pause and there's no rush to do anything. I would say, If you could put it somewhere, the money in a safe place, maybe a high yield savings account just for a couple of months while you're doing your research about where this it needs to go. There's no rush in all these people showing up at your door. You should invest here. You should. There's no rush in moving that money. Just put it somewhere safe. Take a pause. Take a few breaths. And I think the first thing that I would want to know are the tax implications, because you'd want to put that money off to the side so that when you have to pay the taxes on this windfall that you you had that available to you. So those would be the first things I'd want to do is is put the money somewhere safe where I can park it and pause and do my research, find out the tax implications. And then after that, I would really 
you know, we don't have enough information here in the question to know their complete financial picture. But after that, I would be looking at stuff like debt that could get paid off, the cash flow situation, how far are they from retirement? What are they needing to do? So those are those are kind of all the, the maybe the dry, less exciting pieces. I would say that it would be okay to take a piece of it, a small piece, a reasonable piece, and and give yourself a little treat. I'm a big fan of treats, and I think it's nice (laughs) to do that. But the treat doesn't have to be a yacht, right? It could be a weekend away. Right. An experience. (laughs) Yeah. Don't buy things right away. Buy experiences. They actually can lead to happiness. And you're 100% right. You know, I think, Annie, it's important to if you do want to kind of create a hierarchy of things to address with this money, first would be the debt that you have. Uh, second, you know, making sure that if you don't have enough for retirement saved, if you don't have an emergency cushion, that this is where you're also allocating some of this mm-hmm. money to keep, to play some catch up. And then uh, from there, you know, it's really what else do we want to accomplish? What are our goals? Do we want to buy the home? Do we want to start a foundation? Do we want to start a business? It's a good problem to have, but I I think that it gets easier to answer and and a little bit more clarity arrives when you do spend that time really thinking through things and um, not feeling rushed. And and part of that is not perhaps casting too wide of a net for people to weigh in. (laughs) Um, You know, like too many cooks in the kitchen about what to do with this money can lead (laughs) to some disaster. Yeah, it's amazing how many people show up when there's money involved in how they want to help you with it. (laughs) Yeah. But Ashley, keep us posted. This is fun. I like answering these kinds of questions. It's nice to, you know, a girl can dream. A girl can dream. Yes, absolutely. All right. Yoko on Instagram is using uh, a program, uh, like an automated investment platform to manage uh, the personal investing portfolio. And Yoko has about $20,000 in there that he does that she doesn't expect to, to need any anytime soon. She has a separate savings account and doesn't have any major planned expenses coming up. However, Yoko says, I'm becoming more interested in socially responsible investing. And this current investment platform that she is using doesn't offer socially responsible investing focused portfolios. So she's thinking of transferring her money and using a service that does um, – what do we think? Uh, how can she do this without minimizing losses or other headaches? Well, I think that the reality is if you're going to be moving assets from one portfolio to another, to a whole new platform, and by the way, a, por- a portfolio that is going to be comprised of many different kinds of assets. It's going to look differently. It's not going to, it's not like apples to apples. You know, the reality is, is you're going to probably have to sell and then buy these um, these new assets with this money if you're planning on just making a transfer. Uh, you know, here's what I, I think about this also. And Annie, you happy to hear your thoughts on this too, is like, you know, socially responsible investing is really great. And I, um, I'm really happy that there are more platforms like Wealth Simple, Betterment that offer these kinds of portfolios. I think that it's really um, – you know, feeding the the mindset, the the wish list of the current investor, current young investors, especially who want to make an impact with investing. I think that it should be an aspect of your portfolio. I don't know if it's really like you want all your investments maybe to be in this sort of category. Um, 
I think that it's important to always diversify. So if you can get a socially responsible investing portfolio that you feel is really diversified across asset classes, across size, you know, uh, fund sizes, you know, macro, micro, small cap, I think that that's great. But if you find that your your SRI portfolio um, is really specific, then I wouldn't put all your eggs in that basket. I want to make sure that at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're being uh, a, a prudent investor, right? That you're investing across a diversified portfolio. So perhaps it's that you know you keep some of this money that you have already with your current investment platform. Because maybe there you're investing in just you know traditional index fund ETFs, and then you take an, maybe ten percent of that and you put it in an SRI portfolio. Uh, you know it's still considered to be sort of a SRI and other kinds of alternative investments. They're alternative, and so that for that reason you don't want to put maybe all your eggs in that basket. Maybe it's like ten percent, five percent. But if you do want to make this big shift and do all the twenty thousand into this new SRI portfolio, then the reality is is you're probably going to lose some money, and just because that's what you have to sell and then buy. And I think to make it a little bit uh, streamlined for yourself, you know, working with somebody at the new platform that you're going to use, whether that's Wealth Simple, like you mentioned, or Betterment, to help you migrate these um, assets over. Because yeah, maybe there are already some accounts that you're investing in that do qualify as a, a socially responsible investment that are offered at these other places. And it would just be an apples to apples trade uh, and perhaps a, a, a more cost efficient trade. But that's my two cents. What do you think, Annie? Yeah. I I agree with what you're saying about maybe staying a little bit more diversified. I think there's another part of looking at socially responsible investing that is important because it, it might a company might have a portfolio that is an SRI portfolio, but I think researching what's in that is important because not there aren't really clear standards on what is socially responsible. There aren't thing there are some major groups like they look at the environmental impact, the social impact and the corporate governance. Those are the three primary things that are looked at in, in these SRIs. But there aren't really strict standards about that. So it's easy to say, okay, I'm going to move my money to an SRI assuming that all of the companies that are in that truly fit what you consider socially responsible as opposed to what somebody else considers socially responsible. And there have been some occasions where other companies have snuck into these portfolios that maybe don't meet the criteria as they should. So I think, you know, there are two major impact. There are two major things that people are considering when they're looking at investing in SRI. And that is one, the social impact. And then two, the hopeful financial gain. And they can be mutually exclusive. So I think it's really important to just say, to research what portfolio you're going into and does it focus on what you want to be focused on? Or is it better to go to a company that has a variety of portfolios where you could maybe pick one that is more focused on human rights or one that's more Mm -hmm. focused on the environment or one that's more focused on consumer protection, for example. So I would say, to me, there's a little bit more research that I would want to do before I think that my money's working in the way I want it to. I think money 
how we spend our money is a very, very powerful way to effectuate change. I would just want to make sure that there was enough research to know that I was doing it the way I wanted to. That's a really great point. Yeah. And so I think that our takeaway here is just continue to do more research. Um, and if you do land with an, uh, you know, a place like Wealth Simple to truly understand the types of investments that go into their SRI portfolios. And like you mentioned, Annie, there, it's, it, there's not like a, a standard necessarily, one standard for how SRIs are created. They're created all very differently. And so depending on what your goals are, Yoko, if you're really interested in um, companies that are making an environmental impact, a social impact, you know, it's go- there are different portfolios and there are different assets that would match that. So just make sure that you really uh, are well aware of what you're getting yourself into and where you're putting your money. And again, like, just like we said to Ashley, don't rush into this, you know, make this be really something that is thoughtful and uh, well thought out. So good luck to you. Ali Alf on Instagram um, is uh, asking about retirement and how much is enough to have per month in retirement? This is the golden question. Everybody right. wants to, if I had an answer for this, I think I could just retire on that answer. I would just sell yes. that answer to everybody and it would be my secret answer. She has a pension when she, she will have a pension when she retires from the California school system. She's a teacher. And from there, she'll be bringing in about $3,900 per month. And so what, like almost uh, $48,000 a year. Her husband, also a teacher, would be bringing in that much too. So collectively, eighty. Thousand is that enough? How much should I contribute to my Roth to make retirement comfortable and fun? Well, let's also remember that you have Social Security that you'll probably be collecting, and that I don't know what that'll be, but you can actually go to the Social Security website and figure out what your estimated payout will be, depending on when you want to collect it. Right. So, the longer you wait to collect Social Security, which is seven years old, is the latest that you can, uh, you know is is at is the age at which social security maxes out for you um you know you can go on the ssa.gov website and they will give you the estimate might be another few thousand dollars there per person which could effectively almost double what your expected retirement um, amount here is. So I, I think that there needs to be a little bit more math here to be done. One is figuring out what your social security payout will be, but really it's about also knowing estimate and to the best of your ability, right? Figuring out what your costs will be when you retire. Will you still have your mortgage? Hopefully not. You know, will you be downsizing? What are some costs that you're going to eliminate? And also what are some costs you're going to Tack on. Maybe there are additional health benefit, healthcare costs that you will have to anticipate. You know, the general rule of thumb, Annie, I don't know if you've heard of this before, is like, you know, conservatively planning to have about 80% of your current expenses in retirement is, is a good target. And so, you know, the good news is you won't be spending hopefully as much as you are now in retirement because you won't have the mortgage, you might not have the car payments, you won't have the child care payments and the college payments, all of that. But you're still going to have to pay for a significant amount of what you're currently um, paying, if, unless you downsize considerably. So 80% is like the general rule of thumb. So maybe if it's like a quick math, I would take what you're spending on, what you're spending currently annually on all the things 
multiply that by 0.8, divide that by 12. <laughs> That's your monthly mm-hmm. expense. And then see where your two pensions and social security uh, measure up to that. And if there's a gap, that's what you should be contributing to the Roth IRA. Uh, but that's really quick math. I would not take that as the final answer. I think you should yeah. go and, you know, there are lots of robust calculators out there because it also has to take into account like your tax code and, you know, all the, all the things. Um, so go to a place like, oh gosh, AARP has great calculators. Uh, choose to save. .org has a really robust calculator. Bankrate has calculators. NerdWallet has a retirement calculator. I would just kind of play around with these online tools and see where you land. And that can probably give you a better sense of where to, how to dial up the, the Roth IRA contributions. What do you think, Annie? How are you going about retirement planning these days? Yeah, well, I first of all, I just have to say I love any question where people are worried about their retirement or yes. thinking, I shouldn't say worried, but thinking about retirement. It's something I didn't do till later in life. And mm-hmm. so I'm in a little bit of catch up mode. And that's one thing I really encourage people to do is start early. And we don't know how old, and I'm, I'm not sure how old this um, person asking the question is, but good for you for thinking about it. And I think what you touched on, Farnoosh, is, you know, you got to work backwards from your lifestyle, the cost of your lifestyle. What do you want to be doing? What do you want it to look like? What are things do you do you expect to travel a lot? That is going to be different than somebody that doesn't plan on traveling a lot. Then you've got health insurance and uh, any other costs that that might be coming up that, you know, we wouldn't necessarily know about from the question. But I think if you work backwards, you're in a great position having these pensions that are coming in. So already you're kind of in this great position and then adding on to that what you're wanting to do. You you said you want your retirement to be comfortable and fun. And so whatever the cost of that fun and that comfort is, is going to dictate how much you're going to need. And also lifestyle horizon or, you know, longevity horizon, how you know, what your age is, what your health outlook is. These are all important considerations. And so, yeah, what, what you said, Farnish, it's almost impossible to answer specifically, but work backwards from, and also what, when do you want to retire? Mm -hmm. That's an important part. What's the span of time from the date you retire to an expected life expectancy that, you know, we're, that's a guess I understand, but yeah, it's a hard yeah. question to answer, but good for you for thinking about it now. It is the number one question on this show. Retirement-related questions exceed any other kind of question, which is really great to know. People are their heads in the right place, and you know, I would also say, Ali Alf, that to Annie's point, you know, part of this plan may be to continue working, um, at least part-time. And that's going to be really helpful as you bring in more income because there are a lot of unknowns in retirement. There's a lot of unknowns related to taxes, related to healthcare costs. And frankly, I think that these days we're living longer. Our mental capacity and health is, you know, is good generally. And if we're in the older stage of life, you know, working, working with people, staying engaged, it's all good. It's all really good for you. And if that is something that you're interested in, I do I do know a lot of teachers who retire into things like tutoring and consulting, mm-hmm. um, starting their own little, you know, websites, online workshops. Um, they will tutor online, tutor in person. So l- still potential for you to continue working. Um, 
And yeah, so check out those websites. I'll just repeat them here so that you can uh, so that you don't have to go back in time. But it's choose to save.org, AARP.com or org. I think they go by both. Uh, and then NerdWallet, Bankrate, also good calculators. To learn what your social security payout's gonna be, go to SSA.gov. Okay. All right. Now, last question here from Robert. Also one of my favorite questions to tackle regards mm-hmm. to credit. How to repair my credit? Uh, should I focus on first paying down my credit card debt or the taxes that I owe to the IRS? Well, I'm not really sure how I, – I do know that you know when you don't pay your credit card bill or when you have a balance, that does go on your credit and that does really hurt your credit score potentially. Owing money to the IRS uh, probably eventually does appear on your credit report and it probably does impact your credit to some degree. I don't know com- comparatively how much or how, mu- how much less than a credit card delinquency, for example. But I just will say this, I would never want to be indebted to the IRS. You know, That's just one thing that I think for me – I would lose sleep over because the IRS, you know, when you owe taxes, they they are un, unapologetic, you know. I mean, credit card companies aren't very nice either when you owe them money, but you know, the IRS, I believe they can uh, garnish your wages. It's it can get pretty hostile pretty quickly and and I think that having that stain on your records is not good either. So, assuming that you want to repair your credit here because you have goals down the road that you want to achieve, right? Maybe taking on uh, a loan to start a business, buy a house, buy a car. Um, it will matter, you know, what your um, history is with the IRS as well as credit cards. So I think I would prioritize the IRS payment, not to say that you're not paying down the credit card, but to the extent that you can, you know, really fast forward your accelerate your payments to the IRS, I would, because also that's collecting interest too. The longer it takes you to pay that down, the more expensive it will be over time. I don't know. What do you think, Annie? I get worried when I owe anybody the IRS. Yeah, I I agree with you. However, the IRS can be very workable. They tend to not be workable if you're ignoring them. If you or approach it head on and call the IRS and set up an installment agreement. They will set up installment agreements. And when you are when you are doing that and paying on time with an installment agreement, it is not impacting your credit. So I would get that set up right away if you haven't already. You can go, I believe you can go up to 10 years uh, mm-hmm. with a installment agreement with them. And there will be interest and whatnot, but once you set that up with them, then at least that's not on fire and it's not keeping you up at night and it's getting paid. Okay, so that's one one aspect. I definitely would not want to owe the IRS without addressing it. I would definitely want to address it right away. The credit card debt, I, I have some feelings about debt. This is more of kind of my brainy boss time management life style <laughs> desire is that debt – I think more than any other financial situation takes up mental real estate that takes that steals moments from our lives. I think that debt is can be very debilitating for anxiety, for sleep. I think that even if you depending on how much debt you have, 
You can, it can be distracting from your relationships, from work, from whatever you're doing. So I'm a big fan of getting rid of debt ASAP. Now there's, you have debt to the IRS too. So they're they're both debts, but I would say you want to be paying off your credit card debt, your highest interest rates first as fast as possible while meeting your installment agreement with the IRS. So that's what I would do. I would come up with an installment agreement and that's going to be a certain amount. And then whatever else, whatever other financial resources you have to pay down to debt, I would pay on your highest interest rate cards first, very aggressively. I know your question is about repairing credit, but I see this as a debt issue rather than a credit issue. The credit will take care of itself when you're paying down the debt. And I see that the being in credit card debt as the, as the bigger issue here rather than the credit. I agree. I I agree. I think that's what kind of gave me pause with this question was, was I felt like the intention was not complete, you know, like, yes, Mm -hmm. repairing your credit is a great goal, but there's a bigger issue at hand here, which is the debt and sort of getting over this hump because what that will ultimately mean for you is a stress-free life and not being beholden to all this communication. Like the IRS is also a beast, you know, yeah, you can get on Mm -hmm. a payment plan, but the operative word here is soon. Please do it soon because, and do it, um, you know, if you can find a way to directly communicate with the IRS, let me know because I hate communicating with the IRS. It is not really linear. Like you have to send in mail. There's not really a phone number. (laughs) Um, you know, it's, there's, it's just a little, um, antiquated, I think, in the way that they have set up and perhaps intentionally, I don't know, because I think they'd be getting a lot of phone calls. But I think that the earlier you can tackle this IRS debt, the better. Um, Get on a payment plan. And then you can also get on a payment plan with your credit card debt. I would also consider working with an advocate, a credit advocate. You know, there are, uh, there's a resource I love to recommend on the show. It's called the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, nfcc.org. This is an organization. It's a nonprofit organization. It's all over the country. They have offices, clinics, and there you can go and get an appointment with a certified uh, credit expert, credit, um, what do you call it? I guess they're like credit. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, know what you're talking about, but I can't think. There is a there is a clinical term for this, um, <laughs> but they are your advocates, and the first meeting is free, and they will basically assess your debt situation as well as your income and your budgeting and all of that, and they'll come up with a plan for you. And with especially with credit card debt, I think they can be very very helpful and. You know, if it's it's a if it's a lot and the interest rates are really high on these cards, working with your credit card companies to either eliminate the interest rates for a period of time so that you can get make bigger payments towards this debt. They're not a uh, credit consolidation company. They're really a. I love them because they don't. It's not a get. Uh, out of debt overnight promise. It's more like we're going to work with you with a plan over time to help you get out of debt uh, as painlessly as possible. Uh, but it's not a quick promise. And and for that, they do some really good hard work for you. But 
Yeah, Robert, good luck. And again, you know, let us know how things progress if you have questions along the way. And everybody, thanks for all these questions. These all came through Instagram, believe it or not. It's like like the number one way people are getting in touch with me. And I love it because it's super fast, super direct. And I don't know, Annie, are you on Instagram? Can we follow you there as well? Yes, I'm at a brainy boss on Instagram. Come over and follow me and I'd love to hear from everybody. I love it. Can people send you questions there? Yes, you can send me questions there. You can also email me directly at Annie at BrainyBoss.co if you prefer. And I, I love answering questions. I do answer my email directly and happy to um, help anybody that's got some some help that they could use on small business. I love it. All right, Annie, thank you so much. Annie LaCroix, Brainy Boss. I'm following you now on Instagram, a Brainy Boss. Have a great weekend and everybody listening, thanks for tuning in and I hope your weekend is so money. Money.